Amen. Brother Bankins, come. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Paulson. God bless this church. Let's give a hand clap to the Lord now. Praise the Lord. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is good to be in North Dakota. It's not as cold as I was thinking it was going to be, but I'm here. Amen. Hallelujah. I give honor to this wonderful church, and to you, Brother Paulson, and to Brother Chuppy. But I'm not going to waste a lot of time on it because we've got a lot of things to get said tonight. Amen? Not a phone call. <laughs> They're looking for my daughter. At least it wasn't a boy. Praise God. How many of you love the Lord tonight? Come on, has he done anything for you in this place? Come on, did he set you free? Did he save you? Did he sanctify you? Did he set you apart? Did he put your foot on the rock? Come on, somebody. Let's give the Lord some praise in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is worthy. He alone is worthy. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's, it's just supposed to be that way. He, he, he gave it all up. He, he left his throne in glory to take on a sinful nature, became sin for us, died for us, gave us his blood, gave us his name, and now, God, what do I owe you? You saved me. You've washed away my sins. You put your name on me. You put your blood on me. Now, what do I owe you now? Now that I'm changed, now that I'm a new creature, how do I walk before you? What do I owe you, God? You owe me your life. You owe me a living sacrifice. It's got to be holy. It's got to be acceptable. It can't be the sacrifice of Cain. Just bring anything you want to bring. That's what the world wants to tell you. The denominal world wants to tell you to just offer whatever you want to offer and God's going to accept it and you can just abuse grace. But that's not reality of what the word says. The word says that you're supposed to be dead. Number two says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. I want to speak to you for just a few minutes on a simple thought. Do not waste the vial. Do not waste the vial. This is not going to be good. Do not waste the vial. I'm sorry, y'all. Put that over there. My daughter's 10. She just started FaceTiming her friends, and they're blowing my tablet up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do not waste the vial. You may be seated. My goodness gracious. 
Every person, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl has been given a measure of faith. You've been given a vial. At your birth, you've been given a vial. That vial has enough oil in it that it will answer the call of the Holy Ghost as it draws you out of Egypt, out of the world, unto a holy God. You have just enough oil in that vial that if you don't waste it, you can get to the presence of God. You can get to the flow. You can keep the flow filling your vial. You've been given a measure of faith. You've been given a measure of authority. Everyone has been given something such as talents, abilities, in, in that measure of anointing that has been provided by God to mankind for a specific purpose. And that is to be able to get into the flow of the anointing that is unmeasurable. The flow has no boundaries. It cannot cross. It has no walls it cannot tear down. No storm that it cannot step out on the bow of your boat and say, peace be still to. No sickness that it cannot heal. No grave that it cannot speak. Lazarus come forth to. The flow is limitless. The vial has limitations because it's carried by man. Therefore, it has a beginning of the vial and then it has an ending of the vial. Anything that has a top and a bottom can run out, but it can also overflow. Romans 13 and verse one says, let every soul be subject unto a higher powers, unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that are, are ordained of God. Even the devil is God's devil. He can't operate unless God says, have you tried my servant? Well, I can't touch him. You've got to hedge your protection. Oh, stand down. Try him. Let every soul be subject. And, and every power is ordained by God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinances of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil, wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. When you do what is holy and is acceptable unto God, him raining fire down on your sacrifice is him saying, good job, boy, keep it up. That's a pat on your back. When you see smoke coming up off the altar, you know that your sacrifice is holy and it's acceptable because God says, I am going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with the fire. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl is responsible for their own soul. Whether they line up with the revelation of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ or whether they will live in rebellion. The vial has been given from God to each of us in hope that the spirit of God will draw you to an altar of repentance. To the waters of baptism and to be filled with the Holy Ghost and the fire. Once once I have received that justification, I am filled and my vial is overflowing. But then I have to leave that altar and go back out in the world and live. I got to be in this world, but not of this world. But I still got to exist. So how do I exist whenever I walk away from the altar and I got to go to a carnal job? 
It's because I can't. I can't take the altar with me. I can't take the church house with me. We're not gonna put my factory here at the altar of the church, but I gotta take the oil in the vial that the flow has refilled and I gotta go to a carnal office and I've got to overflow. You see, I can't pour out of myself. I can't pour out into people. I can't do that because I'm dead, remember? So how does my ministry affect the unbeliever? Because when Jonathan taps into the flow, he starts to overflow. And as it works itself out of me, out of my belly flows rivers of living water and it overflows into the unbeliever. And then their vial that they got at birth that is supposed to draw them to the Holy Ghost or by the Holy Ghost to an altar of repentance, it starts to draw out of the flow of my anointing, out of my vial, because why? My vial's full. My vial's overflowing. And now the sinner says, there's something different with you. When, when, when I get around you, there's, there, 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 there's just a peace around you. There's just, there's just answers to questions whenever I get around you. It's not Jonathan that did that. It's the flow. It's the flow that does this. Yeah. <clears throat> so when I come to God and I come to justification, I'm, the new birth message, I'm, old things are washed away and behold, everything is new in my life. Now my vial is refilled. And the prayer of Moses written by David in Psalms 90 says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever that said formed the earth or the world even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. So when I leave the altar and my vial is full but I go out into a world that is evil, that is corrupt, that is carnal, that is out to steal, to kill and to destroy me. I have to use what's in my vial to exist. I have to use what's in my vial just so that I don't die in that world because it's got to keep me sheltered. He's my refuge, he's my fortress, he's my strong tower and that's all in the oil of the vial that I've been provided with. But if I stay out in the world too long and I don't ever go back to the flow, if I don't ever get back to the altar, sooner or later, I'm gonna run out of oil. So not only does it affect me, but it affects everybody around me. You don't sin by yourself. You don't sin by yourself. You're not gonna go to hell by yourself. There will be plenty of company. Like Moses, David also figured this out. Psalm 91 says, he that dwelleth in the secret places of the Most High shall abide in the ship. So what is the pattern here between Moses and David? Moses and David learned that if I'll dwell in the presence of the Lord, he will keep me full of his spirit to the uttermost. I will be able to be filled, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with the, his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and 10,000 at thy right hand, but it shall come near thee. 
Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Why? Because, see, when you're in darkness, you can't explain the light. But when you're in the light and you look back in the darkness, you can tell them where you came from. See, because I walked through that test, it's a testimony now, I can look back and explain. That's where I went wrong. But when I'm in my mess, when I'm circled in darkness, when I'm, when I'm out of oil in my vial, I can't see. I, I'm blind. I can't walk. I can't move. I'm paralyzed in the spirit. And that's when God has to become my dwelling place again. I've got to get back to the flow. I, I've got to refill. I, I, you see, it's not enough just to stay full. See, if I stay full, Brother Young, it only does me good. But if I overflow, the anointing that flows out of me will affect you. But your anointing that overflows out of you also affects me. Brother Paulson, I got to have you. And you got to have me. And we got to have them. We've got to stay in the flow because where the vial is, there's a beginning. And there's an ending. And your oil will run out if you don't get to the altar and refill the vial. I have got to climb into such a deep relationship with God that he becomes my dwelling place. He's my habitation. He's my security. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's the refiller of my salvation and the refill of my vial. Don't waste the vial. Don't waste the vial. First Samuel chapter 10 and verse 1 talks about King Saul. It says that, in verse 10, I'm sorry, chapter 10 and verse 1, then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? Now, I've always struggled with this because I couldn't figure out why he was set up for failure. See, that's what it seems like is that, is that he was set up for failure, that it's not because God chose you, and he just gives him a vial of oil. He, he doesn't get the same thing that David got. David got a horn. Saul got a vial. And I was praying. I said, God, why? Why would you set Saul up for failure? And God revealed to me that David received the same vial that Saul did. You see, everybody receives a vial at birth because it's enough oil to draw you to salvation. And then at salvation, your vial is refilled and there's enough oil for you to get a prayer life and a relationship with God. And what Saul did was he wasted the first vial that he got at birth from his mom and his daddy and he didn't allow the oil to draw him to salvation. So when he shows up to be king, he's empty, he's broken, he has no oil, his vial is empty. And Samuel says, I'm gonna give you one more vial. I'm gonna refill your vial one more time. But Saul, it's not because the Lord chose this. Saul, you've got to find a place to refill this vial. Because if you don't refill the vial with the anointing of the Lord, then other things start to creep in. When the oil of the Lord runs out of you, wickedness starts to come in. And, 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 and violence starts to come in. And evil starts to come in. And carnality and perversions and all this darkness starts to overtake me. And I start to conform back to what the world had me bound with. Instead of being transformed at the altar by the refill of the oil, by the renewing of my mind. So what is the problem? I got to sacrifice. 
I've got to sacrifice. There's obviously some things in my life. There's obviously some things in my, in my circumstances, in my relationships, in my family. There's something in there that's keeping me, that's separating me, that's, that's stopping me from putting all of myself on an altar. And I say, hold my volumes. I've got, got a little left. I'll be okay. But what if I don't make it back? What if I don't get to the altar? What if my kids come up to me and they say, Daddy, what am I going to do in this situation? I don't have enough oil to give them an answer. I don't have enough oil to, to give them a word of truth. I don't have enough oil. I don't have enough anointing to give them wisdom. And now that my vial has been emptied, now that I have not refilled it, why? Because the world is my dwelling place, not the Lord. And now, and now whenever... When, when the oil is empty out of the vial, the world starts to pour in its things. And now all of a sudden, instead of becoming the anointed man of God, I become a spear thrower at the anointed. See, when the world fills your vial, it fills you full of bitterness. It fills you full of anger. It fills you full of jealousy. It fills you full of perversions. It fills you full of lies and it fills you full of darkness. And in that darkness, you become things that you are not normally. You become things out of survival because you can't see what's coming from the left. You can't see what's coming from the right. And there's no anointing to fall back on. And I can be overtaken because when the enemy comes in like a flood, the standard that the Lord raises against it is the oil. It's the oil. when I don't refill that vial, I become a spear thrower. And I want to steal, to kill, and to destroy the anointing. See, there are several things that we want to look at in this. In this. When, when Samuel anoints Saul, he kisses him. It was, it was the man of God that kissed him because he validated him there because Saul stands up to Samuel or doesn't stand up to him. And he, stands, he, says, he says, but wait a minute. I am of the lowliest family of the lowliest tribe. Why in the world would I be king? Why in the world would he have chosen me to be king? Why do they want me to? And when Samuel kisses him, it validates him. It makes him somebody. It wasn't the crown that did it. It was the kiss of the man of God. It validated him. It said, you belong here. It's okay to look at your neighbor and look at him and say, I believe in you. It's okay to look at them and say, I'm praying for you. You don't need to know all their business. Just pray for them. Because if, if God has given you the insight that they need prayer, then obviously you've got some flow going on. And if you'll get near them, you'll overflow with probably some of the answers without ever opening up your mouth. We've got to validate people. Stop looking at people and saying, well, I don't want them to, I want them to be just a little bit less than me. I don't mind you being good just as long as you're not quite as good as I am. And, we, and, and when we don't have the oil in that vial, we'll step on people. 
Because now we are trying to elevate ourselves rather than letting the oil elevate us. Or Samuel 16 and 11 says, Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all thy children? And he asked this because all the boys that have passed before have been rejected by God. And Samuel looks over, there's no more boys. And Samuel knows he's heard from God, so he asked Jesse, do you have any more? And he says, there remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. David was so unimportant to his family. He was literally the redheaded stepchild. They did not want him there. They despised him. His brothers hated him. They could not speak peaceably to him. They could not stand him. Jesse was not in the sheep business. He bought a few sheep so that David would have a job to get him out of the house. And he puts him out in the field at six, seven, eight years old to fight lions and bears. Don't tell me for one second that Jesse cared whether David lived or not. He was not validated in his own home. His own father didn't love him. His own father couldn't stand him. His brothers, they weren't just jealous, they hated him. He didn't even get invited to the party. And Samuel says to Jesse, send and fetch him. For we will not sit down until the king gets here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is he. You see, David is qualified. His vial is full and overflowing. He has been in the secret places of the Almighty and he has a relationship with God. He did not use his father's or his brother's abuse as an excuse to not live for God. He didn't get bitter, he got better. But rather, he turned it around and used the vial to find the flow. See, the lion and the bear in the wilderness for him were not the devil. But rather they are part, they are parts of us, they are parts of me that do not belong in the presence of God. We fight lions and bears and predators, which means they feed on the humble. Lions and bears in the spirit cannot yield themselves to the will of God. And that part of you wants to devour the sheep which are used for sacrifice. If you do not kill the lion, and the bear, you will have nothing to sacrifice to God because he will devour you. Killing the lion and the bear gives us the ability to have a relationship with God and there's enough oil in your vial to give you the strength to overcome yourself. And then Samuel took the horn. He didn't take a vial, he took a horn. There is no top and there is no bottom. It's just basically a pipe. See, when David showed up to the house to meet Samuel, his vial was already full and overflowing because he did not waste his vial in the wilderness pouting over a bunch of sheep. But rather, he got him a harp and he starts to sing. He says, there's nobody out here. Lord, are you real? Lord, are you real? You see, you've got to stop rejecting the lonely places in life. 
Sometimes God is pulling you out of something to a place all secluded, all by yourself because he wants to get to know you. And he wants for you to open up your heart, to humble yourself and get to know him. Why? Because I want to fill up your vial. I want to fill up your vial. There's revival in your vial. There's revival in your vial. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Now there is no hope of refilling the vial. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Once you step into the flow, it is impossible for your vial to run out. Now David has no problem facing off with the Antichrist Goliath. He's now drank from the well that will never run dry. Where's King Saul? Where is the king with the empty vial? His oil has run out. So he's hiding behind rocks and a slave to the world with, with no hope of restoration. The one who should have faced off with Goliath was Saul. But Saul knew in himself, I don't have the anointing. I don't feel today like I did last year. I don't feel today like I did last month. I don't feel today like I did yesterday. Why? Because I've got less oil in my vial. And now when Goliath stands up and says, send me a man, I'm not qualified. I, I, I don't have enough oil. I, I can't do anything for you. 2 Kings 4 says, now there cried a certain woman, of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha saying, thy servant, my husband is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord and the creditor is come to take him, take unto him my two sons to be bondsmen. And Elisha said unto her, what shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said that handmaiden hath not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Then he said, go, borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors. Why? Because I'm fixing to overflow you. That vessel will not hold all the oil that I want to pour out in your life. Whew. Go and borrow. And she went and borrowed vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, Borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy son and shalt pour out into all those vessels and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out and it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her sons, bring me yet another vessel. And he said unto her, there's no more vessels. Everything is full. Everything is full. 
Do you realize that you are the woman with the oil and you are the vessel and when God starts to pour out into you, you start to overflow and it starts to fill up the one next to you and fill up the one next to you and fill up the one next to you and before you know it, you got an army surrounding Jericho. You got a man like Moses to stand before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Brother Paulson, that's why we do what we do. That's why we teach Bible studies till we can't hardly breathe no more. It's because I know what it is to have an empty vial and I refuse, I refuse to go back to that broken, disappointing, miserable wreck. God, feel me. God, you're my dwelling place from everlasting to everlasting. You are God, God, I just, I just want to be in your presence. God, I just want to be in your flow. God, I'm empty without you. Let's all stand. It's not too late. You have not went too far. You are not so empty that God cannot fill you. And your past does not determine your future. When the oil fills you, it, when it overflows out of you, that when you come out of the world, there are still things in you. There are still residual things there. There are still I'm not talking about the devils there. That ain't what I mean. I'm talking about there's things that you know in the world that are still in your mind. And, and there's, there's thought processes that are still there that's got to be washed out. But it doesn't happen in one instance. As you step into the flow and he fills your vial, he fills your body, as you start to overflow those things that are still in you that need to come out through a process called a relationship, they start to overflow and all of a sudden you get a little less of the world or a little more of the world coming out and a whole lot more of God coming in. And now all of a sudden your, your thinking's not stinking no more. Now all of a sudden you can walk upright and you can be righteous before God. And you can say, God, search me, Lord. Try me, Lord. Examine me, Lord. But feel me, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God, thank you for this time. I thank you, Lord, for everything you've done and everything you're doing. God, bless us in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.